do your research, you know, look at, look at both sides. Don't just listen to a pediatrician. Don't just listen to anyone who wants to give you advice. You need to look at all the different sides of it mm -hmm. and really do what's right in your heart for your kids and yeah. listen to that mom voice inside of you because it's super strong. Yeah. It's there. Right. You know? Moms know things. And unfortunately, I think a lot of times moms get quieted by people who bully them into doing stuff because it's what you're supposed to do. Welcome to the Miracle Academy. This is your host, Scotty Cooper, and this is where miracles are expected. Hello, this is Scotty Cooper with the Miracle Academy. Today I have a really special guest. I have my beautiful mother, Therese Cooper. Her background is in speech therapy, and she's also a college professor. She actually won the Lecturer of the Year Award for Cal State Fullerton. So, not that I'm bragging or anything, but um, so like, what are what were some of the all? She, she's taught so many classes, I can't <laughs> even remember all of her ones. But what are they? So everything's in the area of speech therapy. I do anatomy and physiology for speech and hearing. I teach neurology, voice disorders, and cleft palate communication and aging. I love my little old people. Um, <laughs> and I am a supervisor in the graduate program for the adult clinic. That's cool. Yeah, so like the big thing that I really wanted to hear having my mom on here was having her talk about how you raised us with not only a chiropractic lifestyle, but I feel like this different philosophy that other parents didn't necessarily have. So what was it like being a mom raising us with the chiropractic lifestyle? Definitely different. Not something all my friends were doing. Um, I would find myself oftentimes questioning some of the things that they were doing with kids, with their kids. I remember one time, um, this was so sad, Dad and I had finally decided to try and do something one of our friends had said about getting you to fall asleep. And it was during the Super Bowl. And so we left you in your cute little Dallas Cowboys outfit in your crib to put yourself to sleep. You cried. We <laughs> sat there going, can't watch this game. He's crying. What do we do? What do we do? Kept going back to the door. Kept going back to the door. I can't take this. Why do my friends tell me to do this? <laughs> I, I just need to go with my heart and do what's right. Go in there. You had, you know, just, it was a mess. <laughs> <laughs> so sad and so at that point I was like you know what I'm not I'm gonna follow my own heart and I'm gonna do what my heart says is right for my kids you know they all said don't sleep with your child we did you know we I fully believed in the family bed I felt like you know having you guys next to us was important because you could breathe like we breathe you could you know feel our heartbeats it was something that was important to me yeah um, feeding wise you know I, I always kind of let you guys dictate what you needed and followed what you all needed rather than reading a book or listening to other people. I just went with my heart. Yeah, that's cool. So what were some other like things you did parenting wise that was a little bit different than what your friends were doing or other people were doing? Well, definitely you all got adjusted at birth um, pretty much from the moment you were out. <laughs> Dad was there checking all of your necks, making sure you were all aligned. Um, no medications. You never had any medications. Actually, you had, um, so, so fun story, the first time you ever had a fever. Mm -hmm. So my first, you know, everything happened to you. We, you were our trial run. Um, 
your first fever, you were a couple months old maybe, and I freaked out because, you know, new mom, my child's sick, what am I gonna do? There's a fever. And um, your dad said, let it run its course. And I said, no, call the pediatrician. So I pretty much, I think it was like a Friday night, nine o'clock, 10 o'clock at night, I bullied my way through the answering service because you know me, and got a hold of that doctor who then pretty much lectured me on how I was never ever to do that again for something as simple as a fever, which then that really made me mad. But his whole solution was to give you that children's Tylenol or whatever it was. And that was the one thing I ever gave you. And dad said, I'll let you do that this time, but you gotta promise me that you're gonna track how his illness goes. And then the next time he gets a fever, cause it will happen again. Next time he gets a fever, I get to do it my way. And I said, fine, deal. Give me the, the, the whatever. So I gave it to you. You were sick for a week, okay? I thought I did good, whatever. Next fever comes a few months after that. Dad says, my turn. He adjusted you. Fever went away. You were better the next day. <laughs> Literally went through every medicine cabinet in our house and turned it from a medicine cabinet into a shampoo cabinet and threw away every stitch of anything related to medicine. And yeah. we have never looked back. There, We have no medicine in our cabinet. You guys were never given anything other than supplements. Um, anytime any of you were sick, it was like, what can I take for whatever? And it was always the vitamins, the supplements, those things that would, would keep you well. So how... How would you help like a new mom that wants to live like that but doesn't quite know? What where would you kind of help her see like how to do those things? Do your research. You know, look at look at both sides. Don't just listen to a pediatrician. Don't just listen to anyone who wants to give you advice. You need to look at all the different sides of it mm -hmm. and really do what's right in your heart for your kids and yeah. listen to that mom voice inside of you because it's super strong. Yeah. It's there. Right. You know? Moms know things. And unfortunately, I think a lot of times moms get quieted by people who bully them into doing stuff because it's what you're supposed to do. And I don't think that you need to do it that way. Yeah. You know, the fact is, is that civilization's been around for how long? Right. You know, we didn't get this far without, <laughs> I mean, if, if, if you needed medication back in caveman days, we wouldn't have gotten this far. Right. You know, it's, I, I think that listening to that intuition and that voice inside is what really helps. Yeah. So I think too, with like the parenting that you and dad did for me and my siblings is you really helped us problem solve yes. instead of just memorize and take, take everything as gospel. It was more so like, we're going to teach you how to do something and then you got to figure it out. Right. So how did that come about? how did you guys decide that? How did that all start? I think it's just kind of intuitive for both of us. We both are problem solvers, but I didn't want to be that mom. Okay, so first of all, I never wanted to be the mom who thinks my kids are perfect because mm -hmm. nobody's perfect. Well, you I know? mean, I kind of well, am, but like... Don't tell But, you know, I think that just being realistic with your kids, knowing what they can do, knowing what they can, and support them, yeah. but also allow them to make their own mistakes because that's how you learn. Mm -hmm. You know, you may do it wrong the first time, but then you figure it out and then you learn how to do it right so that the next time you've got it down. Right. And we've always just kind of let you guys do that and problem solve. And, and I'll tell you, you know, this has been a battle I've been having the last couple of years with 
my college kids. Yeah. The problem solving is lacking right now. Why is that? I have opinions, but I, you know, I couldn't tell you, I haven't done a study on it, but I feel like kids of today aren't allowed to make mistakes. One of the things that always drove me crazy was the everybody gets one kind of a mentality. You know, we put you guys in sports, we put you guys in dance, not to get trophies, but to learn from those experiences. And if you happen to get a trophy, awesome. But if you lost, you learn from that experience as well. A classic example, uh, your sisters both danced for years and years. And we went to this one competition where they literally got everybody in the studio got one trophy for every dance they were in. Trophies for every dance they were in. Yeah. Our sisters were like in 20 trophy in 20 dances. So yeah. they ended up with 20 trophies. And I said, no way you're bringing that home. <laughs> yeah. We did not have room for that. And all the girls, it was kind of an unspoken thing. They lined them all up. It, it was the, the dressing room had like a curve. Uh, it was for a choir. Yeah. And they lined them all up on this curve. We took a picture and then we all walked away and left them there. <laughs> and it was like, you know, dance company, don't waste your money on this. Right. Kids have to earn stuff. Yeah. And I think that was the thing. We made you earn what you what you got, what you yeah, deserved. Definitely. So with the with your students today, so you're kind of seeing that there's this lack of critical thinking. Yes. What do you do to help them? like in those classes to help them really develop that skill because obviously to be a speech therapist you have to you be. have to do that. yeah and so i give them those tools i mean <laughs> teaching the science part of it everything comes down to anatomy and physiology honestly you know and and people look at speech therapy oftentimes and they think oh look how fun they're playing games with the kids and yeah. you know making sounds ooh but you actually have to think about What's the neurology behind what they're doing with their body? What is physically happening with their mouth, with their tongue, with their lips, with their their throat when they're speaking? And you have to be able to break that down. And I call them my little speech therapy detectives, you know? But you have to break all of that down to determine what's wrong with my child or adult that I'm working with, and then how can I fix that? And so we talk about that every step of the way. From the beginning with my anatomy classes, we talk about, you know, if something's wrong with this particular muscle, what do you think might happen? And initially they're like, I don't know. (laughs) And then they get to the point by the end of the semester where they're going, oh yeah, I see how that fits together. And and by modeling it, by talking them through it, I think it helps them to start developing those skills. Mm -hmm. And then by the time I get them in graduate school, you know, a lot of them will say, I need more guidance. I need more of this. I'm like, I'm not going to. I'm not going to give you that guidance. I need you to figure this out on your own. You've had all of these classes that you, that give you that basis. You now need to figure it out. Come talk to me. I'll let you know if you're on the right track, but I'm not going to hand stuff to you. Right. And I think that's, from my opinion, I feel like in education, there's a lot of that just memorize what you need yes. to memorize to pass the test yes. and you're done. Right. And I, whether you, I'm, I'm sure you guys helped guide me to this, I felt like I came up with it on my own, which probably and that was wasn't. Pro- that was our plan. Probably, but like, I came up with like, okay, I need to... I need to actually learn the deeper part of this lesson. Like mm-hmm. when I was in school for business, like, okay, I can learn the specifics of accounting or finance or marketing, but I need to know more so the skill below it that really I can use that part and put it to whatever I need to do in life. Instead of memorizing the answer, knowing the four P's of marketing, it was more so taking from that 
what do I need to really learn to apply it to my life? Right. And I'm, I'm happy that you do that in your classes because I feel like, and, and luckily I think that my, the school I went to did that for me. And I think I kind of forced it to do it for me. And I would seek that out with the professors and it was cool because they were open to that and they mm -hmm. liked that I had questions like that. Mm -hmm. But I look at like, I thought in my classes, I was like, oh, well, you know, I don't have the top grade, but I feel like I'm getting more value out of this than other people are. Right. So I'm glad that you do that in your classes. And yeah. Application is key, being right. able to apply. And that is one of the things I tell my students too. You know, the, the question is always, getting into grad school is very difficult in speech therapy. You almost right. have to have like a 3.8 to a 4.0 in undergrad to get wow. into grad school. And you can't be a speech therapist unless you have a master's degree. So, you know, it, it's very tough. Yeah. So their concern is always my grade, my grade, my grade. And that makes me sad because I feel like you should learn for the sake of learning and enjoy it. But right. I still try to provide that for them and I tell them you need to enjoy. But when they start asking me, what's going to be on the test? Anything I've talked about could be on the test. Well, what kinds of questions are you going to ask? And I always say, it's not going to be rote memorization. Because if, if I tell you memorize this set of muscles, you're going to memorize it, and then you're going to walk out the door, and it's going to float out of your head. Right. But if you can memorize where that muscle starts and where that muscle ends, and if you can reason through right. what is that muscle going to do, then you're going to remember that muscle. Right. And so, you know, I teach them how to apply that critically so yeah. that it can help them through the tests, but then also to, um, so that they can remember it later on. Right. And because every class is going to build on the next class. So they have to have that basis to get to the next level. Yeah. And you guys always tease me because I am that horrible teacher that does the two of the above and the none of the above. <laughs> yeah. And they hate that. But I tell them day one, you know what? I'm going to do it. And yeah. I always tell them too, my family's on your side. They tell me I shouldn't, but I'm going to keep doing it <laughs> yeah. because this is how you critically think. You yeah. have to look at all different sides of something. Right. It's not just one answer. It could be two or it could be none in that pool, but you've got to critically think through it to determine what is the best possible scenario. Yeah, that's cool. For any of her students that are watching, if you see any funny extra credit questions, those are normally from me. Um, I have a say in some of those. So, so just, you're welcome. <laughs> so, I'm sure they're grateful. Exactly. So let's talk about what are some of the things that you think that parents um, should do for their kids to help them be able to critical think, like think critically rather. The big thing is, okay, so, so as a speech therapist, I see, the advent of technology is not a good thing for kids. Yeah. It really isn't. I mean, technology can do a lot for us, but it also can be very detrimental. And growing up in the world of speech therapy, going through school, I learned that there's developmental norms of where kids should start talking and where it used to be like, you know, they should have a couple words by the time they're a year old, and then by two, they should be putting together simple sentences. It's now taking until they're three or four. Wow. Okay, what's going on? that's causing this to happen now. And that's now becoming almost the new norm, which isn't necessarily right. Mm -hmm. Just because it's the norm doesn't mean that it's right. right. And the problem that I see is that parents are working a lot. You know, our economy is requiring parents to work. And a lot of the kids, like at the little school that I am still a speech therapist at, you've got kids coming to school at 6.30 in the morning and going home at six o'clock at night, they eat dinner and they go to bed. Right. And they don't have time with their parents. And you learn from your parents. You learn how to speak from your parents. You learn how to put together sentences from your parents. 
and you learn these kinds of skills from your parents. And I think it's hard when, when parents aren't there. Now, I understand that parents have to work. I had right. to work too. You know, but I also then made sure that whoever was around you guys, namely my mom, was the one who was going to follow through the things that I wanted her to do and right. communicate with you and not plop you in front of a TV or hand you, well, there wasn't iPads back <laughs> then, but, you know, not hand you those things because a child on an iPad, yeah, they can navigate amazingly well. I, you know, two-year-olds can find things on my phone that I can't find, but they can also can't hold a conversation. Right. So I think technology gets in the way. I think the lack of together time with family yeah. is hard. Um, one of the things that I was a stickler on when you guys were even out I, is family dinners. Mm -hmm. I love having a family dinner and I will do whatever I have to to make sure that we all eat at the same time. Yeah. You know, last night even it felt weird to me because we ate in two different groups and I was like, I want to be home. I want to be with my family. I need to have that dinner. And um, when you guys were little, I would make you wait until dinner until nine o'clock at night. When dad got home, I'd give you snacks, you know, and starve you. But I made you guys wait because I felt so strongly about having that time as a family unit. Yeah. And if you can't do that, or if it's, you know, a short dinner, at least having that time, stay off the phones, stay off the iPads, talk to each other, Yeah. model for the kids how to speak. Right. Um, talk to them about their day and don't just say, how was your day? fine and leave it at that tell me something about your day yeah. so that you're not just accepting a yes and a no answer from them yeah and if you start that young then you've got that pattern with them throughout yeah. their life cool yeah i mean i definitely like look back and i can see all the times we did that and i do appreciate it whether <laughs> whether or not we always said that but <laughs> i do appreciate that but i see it making a difference for me now mm -hmm. right i feel that from all these things that you guys did between my health, between like instilling in me that I can be who I want to be. Like you're giving me the tools, but I get to, I get to use them mm -hmm. and I get to build what I want to build with it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really special. And I think it's, it's really cool. So cool. So is there any other things that you feel that you would want to tell either your younger self, as a new mom that would be just like a pearl of wisdom to them, to that person? Not to stress out so much. You know what, just enjoy the time because it goes so fast. Yeah. And I can remember when you were first born and unfortunately I thought maternity leave was a vacation. Mm -hmm. It's not. So don't treat it that way. <laughs> um, if you do one thing in that day, it's been a great day. Yeah. Um, and so I found myself getting really stressed because you'd be crying or, you know, I remember one day dad came home and we were both sitting on the couch crying at each other and he's like, what is going on here? I just want to go do whatever. He's like, why do you want to go do that? And he's write down for me what you did during the day. I actually came across this not too long ago. It's pretty funny. It was like minute by minute. And then he cried and then I changed the diaper. But you know, it was just enjoy those moments. Enjoy the present time yeah. because it does go by so fast. Yeah. And you know, yes, that part's gone, but now there's more to look forward to, but you have to enjoy those moments when they happen. You know, this right. is why I'm behind on grading right now. Don't tell my students, but <laughs> you know, you guys, it's you your siblings or somebody will come home and I will drop everything because I'd rather go spend time with you yeah. than to have to do that other stuff. So if it means I stay up late or I have to push it off to another day, I do that because mm -hmm. my priority is my family. So 
maybe making that the priority, you know, yeah. not worrying so much about the little stuff. The laundry will get done, the showers will get done, yeah. everything will get done eventually. Spend the time with the kids. Yeah. That's what's important. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the Miracle Academy. Um, You're welcome. For any any moms or young moms that want guidance, you know, that is one of the amazing things that we do here, definitely, is, is help guide them on the health aspect, right? Yes. Knowing that for a fever, you don't need to take a, ch a child's Tylenol, that you can do something else, that there's more options. And yes. I think that's something we really excel at. So if you are that person, you know, feel free to send me a message, a DM, or or contact us here at Cooperstown Chiropractic that we can help you. So thank you again so much for watching. And um, this was Scotty Cooper with the Miracle Academy. Thank you very much.